Hey guys, Dustin Wint. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio, so stay tuned. Bat Force Radio, the Batman slash DC podcast with no limits tonight for what is going to be a very unique, somewhat of a 2022 Christmas special for us, where it's going to be one of remembering. What I mean by remembering is we're going to focus tonight on um, a lot of creators in the comic book world and mainly focusing on the Batman world, who we unfortunately lost this year. And in a way, almost as if it was ghosts of Christmas past, present, future, and beyond, you know, somewhat to remind, you know, to talk about and to help us, you know, have someone have a new perspective of things in life. Because you have to remember that these are people that have worked um, to enhance the mythology of a, fa- of a fandom that we love so much. And that kind of stays with you forever, you know, people's work and what they do. So, and we'll be focusing on that tonight, especially the notable mentions that we're going to be focusing on. Focusing on will be Neil Adams, George Perez, Tim Sale, Kevin Conroy, and I will also be mentioning uh, many others that we lost this year, unfortunately. So, um, I got Robin Cross up in Canada. Hey, hey. I got Teases Believers over in. T neck, New Jersey. Booker Booker. Booker Booker. I got Grandpa Batman over in Dallas, Texas. Hey yo, what's up? Oh shit. And I am Bat Force Times over in New York. So a very Merry Christmas season as it is December first tonight. We're sitting here recording, you know. Um you know, I just uh it's gonna be a very interesting one. I wanna talk about things. I wanna talk about Sad things in a good light, if that makes sense. Yeah, because yeah, um, like you, you, you mentioned something a minute ago, and I, I, I think that's a good thing to focus on, like what these people left. Like that's uh, a difference between you know, I don't want to say regular people, but you know, people who aren't creators, you know, like people who worked more traditional jobs, like doing the nine to five kind of thing. Uh, they aren't really leaving something for the world to see after they're gone. Whereas all of these, uh, these comic creators, filmmakers, everything, people who, who spend their lives creating an art form like that, they do leave something that's going to last forever and something that people can always remember them by. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, we should kick it off with uh, earlier this year, we lost Neil Adams. Now. Well, see, I I got. Uh, uh, oh, did you uh, want to go? Yeah, to I got. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll yeah. go over it because it was it was a, a really terrible year, particularly for for comic creators we lost, and yeah. internationally, comic creators, cartoonists all over the world. It was so many were lost uh, over this past year. So, 
uh, just to focus a bit on the creators of American comics or creators who are at least very well known uh, in, in American comics. Mm. Uh, we lost Brian Augustin February 1st. He was 67, Gotham by Gaslight. Mm. Uh, Tom Veach, February 18th uh, at 80. Uh, Animal Man, uh, Star Wars, stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, Neil Adams was April 28th. He was 80 as well. Then mm. right after that, George Perez on May 6th. He was Oof. 67. That mm. hit us hard. And then an another one right after that, Tim Sale on June 16th. Tim was only 66. <laughs> and Alan Grant on July 20th. Oh, uh, Alan. Al Alan was 73. Uh, Kim Jong-gi, uh, October 3rd, he was 47. And if anyone saw the, he passed uh, right before New York Comic Con. And there are photos and videos that they still had his booth because he was supposed to be at New York Comic Con. And all of these other creators spent the weekend uh, writing letters to him on, on his table and leaving flowers and just became this uh, this spot for people to uh, to come and say goodbye. Uh, mm. Kevin O'Neill, November 7th, uh, he was 68. Carlos Pacheco, November 9th at 60. And then not a comic creator, but, uh, it's hard to get any bigger in, uh, the comic world and the, the Batman world specifically, Kevin Conroy on November 10th. Mm. Yeah. That's a, a tough year. Yeah, that is, that I, it's probably, that might be one of the, this might go down in history as one of the toughest years in comic book history. I mean, that's a, a lot of talent and a lot of, it's a lot of talent um, spread across a lot of different publishers and books and time, you know, eras, you know? So, yeah, it's a lot of talent, uh, a lot of legacies. Like yeah. you guys mentioned, you know, they, they leave behind a legacy of excellence mm. and, you know, some of their most iconic work is still some of the most revered stories of all time, not just Batman, but in comics in general. Yeah. Um, and so. it's weird looking back as, as someone who appreciates their work. I never really, not like it would be normal to think about it anyway, but I never really thought about the day where I would be talking about them being gone. You know what I mean? You, 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 you experience their work and you never think about the creator being gone, but you know, it's life, it's reality. And I think, I think that's why the, the art forms are such great functions um, in life and society and culture because it outlives, I guess Michelangelo said, you know, the work outlives the person, the work outlives the creator. So um, that's how I like to, to look at it is that the work outlives the creator, but also keeps them around in a certain way. Like, um, like Neil Adams to segue into that. I mean, like, like, like Neil fucking Adams. I mean, this guy is a legend and we're not using the legend loosely at all tonight, but these men were legends. Neil, we all like, you know, the stories about Neil Adams, the way he went to bat for the creators of Superman when they were piss poor and DC was cashing in, you know, he, he's probably, he could be the most important artist in, in Batman's history. Important because he was the first one to really draw that anatomically correct. I mean, 
you look at the stuff he did in the seventies, that's the most iconic, some of the most iconic Batman work ever. And it still holds up. I mean, you know, he also brought Frank Miller. in. Right. So you, you, you know, the, the guy in, in the genre, I mean, it's Neil, it's Neil Adams. Yeah. So not, Neil. not only the effect he had on other creators, like the way Frank talks about him and you, know, we, we did a, an episode about Neil, uh, after he passed and we had words from a handful of uh, other creators and yeah, how many people are talked about like him and the contributions, not only like you mentioned to the industry, uh, the way he advanced things like, yeah, Siegel and Schuster getting paid, which led to all of that snowballing to, to other creators later on and creators getting their original work back after submitting it for, for being published and then the characters that he created, like Ra's al Ghul and all this stuff that he did. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And Talia, right? And I just, uh, one thing I remember about um, Neil was his cover work. Yeah. Oh my gosh. His covers. I mean, you bought the issues. He's, he's one of the, uh, I guess, one of the first modern artists. And I say that meaning that, you know, what was, was he like in the, the bronze era? Um, where you know his his covers really sold the issues and you know he brought that realistic anatomically more correct batman but he also brought batman helped bring batman back to his more kind of um i guess noir creature of the night look and Mm -hmm. you know just his covers i i remember as a kid i yeah you know i wasn't born i was born in the 70s but i didn't start reading comics until like the 80s but i i would go down to a local penny shop and you know they had all these old issues and i would just see all those covers and Mm. now you know those are the ones that i hunt out when i go to a shop um Mm. Oof, they're gone. Yeah, okay. and you know, meeting him live a couple times. Uh, <laughs> everyone has their own Neil Adams stories, and um, you know, those were always entertaining to listen to people's Neil Adams stories. Um, but he was the giant that every artist after him whose shoulders stood upon, mm. and you know, he influenced so many people, whether they realize it or not. Um, mm. But there are plenty of artists and creators, and I think we're going to talk about one later who, you know, I think their art really reflected upon Niels. And they they found that, wow, here's a guy who, um, you know, his books sell. DC was like, your books sell. We're going to put more of your art in here. And we want everybody else to kind of draw like you and, mm. you know, really set the tone for uh, that era. Yeah. I, th- I think without Neil, um, the yeah, whole, look industry, at that. like without Neil, the whole industry doesn't change. Right. Because he was the one that taught and set the bar for artists to represent themselves. And mm. to, you know, he was probably one of the first artists to sell a signature, which, you know, he did until probably one of his last days. There, there's no artist alley without Neil Adams. Um, can't can't knock the hustle that's for sure yeah. <laughs> right well right 
you know, that, that opened the gates, you know, like he was one of these first guys that became a brand because, you know, um, when I looked up information on him a while ago, like he comes from an advertising yes. uh, background and you could see how he transitioned and made Batman better because of that. Because if you really think about the composition and the way that he sells it and the illumination and like the hyper realism, even though it's more illustrative, like there's a story and it's, it's done as an engineer, mm-hmm. which is a, I'm sorry. He was the first one to do that before anyone else where it's not pulpy and, and goofy and slapstick anymore. This right. is like, yes, yes. In, in real life situation where, you know, top, top five of, of Batman artists all the time, easily Neil Adams, top five. Yeah. His books definitely move the needle. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when his books come out, they sold. People, the people and, had to up their game. You know, and, and it, it was at an important time for for that to happen too, because the stuff that uh, he and Denny O'Neill were doing, uh, that came the you know, their their stuff on Batman came in the wake of the '66 TV series ending, and yes. uh, a big part of the fan base went away with that show. You know, comics the, the sales of the comics went down. And they took that opportunity. Well, okay, let's turn the comics away from this yeah, kind of, you know, yeah, the the campy stuff that that's been going on, and uh, let's bring it back to to darkness. Yeah, he, um, yeah, Daniel O'Neill said like they wanted to bring it back to the 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 finger cane era where it was more serious, it was taken more seriously, you know, and uh, they they were kind of like the new cane and finger was uh, Daniel O'Neill and Neil Adams and. Um, like you look, you like one of my favorite covers, man. Is like I forgot what number it is, but it's uh, Batman's running, and I think it's the first appearance of League of Shadows, and they're jumping from the tree to trees, and they have like knives or machetes or something, and Batman's running from. And I'm like, yeah, that's just so like <laughs> designed so well and drawn so well. Like Neil was, Neil was like just he was like a perfectionist without even trying too too hard you know he would and he told a lot of other guys how to however look you we wouldn't have a um a norm brave fuego if we didn't have a neil adams right. man right you know and so and, and neil, norm was a heavy hitter too man you know and and he's from the school of neil adams so um you know neil adams influence across this genre just stretches so far that he just he was an undeniable giant, and uh, and he was a hustler, man. He was a straight shooter, <laughs> and I um I I had I I had a good experience with him, and I never wanted to talk to him again because I wanted to always remember having a good experience. With him. <laughs> <laughs> and we were laughing because he did the zombie Batman for the Batman Black and White Volume Four. Um, yeah. And he he had prints of it, and I I had a print being signed by him. And he looked at it, and he goes, "I hate this fucking thing." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mar- Marilyn made him uh, made yeah. him do those because she knew they'd be popular. Yeah, I love, and I go, "Yo, you know the black and white statue just came out, right?" And he's like, "Really?" Oh, he's like, "I don't know." And we yeah, we cracking up, and and it, it was nice. And I think you know, um, all right, so you know. Neil, it's funny. I think he's like on a personal level and smaller settings. I think he's he's much more laid back because 
he loved the local comic shop Royal Collectibles over in Queens here, and he always did in stores over there. And he and like he was just so laid back and chill with everyone at when he went to Royal Collectibles, and you know he that that was cool. Like he was doing it. Wow, it's just it's crazy to think about how close it was to his you know until he passed away but um that's he, um, that says he, a lot. He, he did that con that you and i went to the week before yeah. the pandemic went down yeah at, with at that little yeah. high school like so no matter how big or small any show was like mm-hmm. you know and i remember like in the memorial show that we had you know even tom referenced like when he was at sdcc the guy couldn't have a five-foot section he had to have like yeah he had to have like uh, eighteen feet, uh, yay high, of all his stuff, and you could tell he was just—he was about the business. But every time that I've seen him, um, I, I never really had a personal interaction with him. But he was always drawing, yeah, always, yeah, always yeah. hustling, always drawing, like down to him in the eighties, like, and he, you can tell that he's instilled that in his family because he has a daughter and a son. Um, he has a couple of kids that can draw really well. And I think yeah. he's, he's been ingrained and he comes from that school that doesn't exist anymore where you just hustle. And no matter, even though you're on top of the, uh, the mountain, yeah. you have to still carve it out and still grind and do work and just become better. You know, yeah, he, um, what age you are, there, there's room for evolution. Yeah. I never, I never thought of it like, that, to that extent, but you're right. He actually was always, um, always, always drawing, and That's he exciting. always, and he, you know, it, some people might talk a little shit based on how they feel about him. But you know what? He fought for creators, and how many people can you say fought that hard for creators and rights? Like my favorite story is the famous story when, you know, uh, the Superman was on Broadway. I guess it was a play or something. And he was talking to one of the creators and he was like, oh, that's great. Isn't it amazing how like Superman's on Broadway? This is so big. And the guy's like, yeah, I know. I'm really happy. He's like, oh, so did you see it yet? How was he? he goes, and then the, the guy, I don't know if it was Siegel Schuster, but he said, oh, no, no I, I, I can't afford that. And that like infuriated Neil on how like their creation was making so much money for everyone. And these guys were like, you know, piss poor. And then he, he like, just like storm board meetings and just went to bed. Like, the guy's from old Canarsie, Brooklyn. Okay. So, you know, <laughs> this guy's no nonsense. So, um, you know, I, I, I could relate to that mentality sometimes where it's, it's, you don't really give a fuck about what people think as long as you, you have your integrity in check and you're, you know, you're grinding. Then, yeah, I mean, the work speaks for itself anyway. Yeah. Like, he- He's definitely a guy that earned his keep from day one. And like yeah. you said, he there's no Norm Brayfogle. There's no Frank Miller yep. without um, his influence and, and his his help. Like, yeah. I remember um, hearing that Frank saw him as it, even though like the age was not that far, but he's pretty much like an older brother or father figure to Frank. Yeah, uh, Frank. Because he, he gave him that opportunity. Well, what I like is how the story was told was um, Frank, you know, Frank can't draw that well. <laughs> he just can't. I'm sorry. But Neil Adams didn't give up on him in the sense that he kept correcting his work and having him come back and worked with him. Because, you know, 
and I, you know, that that's cool. Like that story about you know, and he got he got Frank's first industry job, I believe. So, um, you know, the ghost of Christmas past, it's the great Neil Adams. Um, I, uh, it sucks. That's uh, that's that that's you know, I guess we all you know they can't live forever, but um, his 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 work. You know, it's that'll live forever. You know that Batman, that Batman that you saw. You know that you that classic Batman, that seventies Batman, that that beautiful blue and gray. You know, and that that cape and those ears and that that perfect anatomically correct. He always setting. had the coolest poses. You know? Yes, he, ne- he never really drew a Batman that was just kind of yeah. standing there. He always had him in some angle or you know mm. motion that really made it expressive yeah i think we just up the prices a little more for his back issues now <laughs> as, if, as if they're not inflated enough already you know we got we got a lot of listeners <laughs> i want some of that shit too <laughs> got some competition now they're gonna be going i know the- <laughs> Slab and shit. No, oh, and before we um, say goodbye to Ghost of Christmas Past, don't forget that iconic Joker card cover he did, which is you know you don't get much more iconic than that. The the Joker playing card. Yeah, there it is. Look at that. I mean, god damn. I mean, from an illustrative and a graphic design standpoint, you really can't get better than that. That's just. I mean. Uh, oh. Uh, again, you know, he comes from the world of advertising, so it's like this is this is what separates him from everyone else. He has that advantage. He has that perspective yeah. where he really illuminates these characters. And um, what I was going to say before is, too, it's like the beauty of you know, you say the art lives on, but forever, like, there's always been these homage covers, and it always is rooted from guys like Neil Adams or Todd McFarlane, but mm. there's always there's and it's gonna happen forever. Like there's always gonna be an homage cover based on all these classic covers mm. because he just raised that bar. This mm. cover was actually used by Fan Expo for their exclusives, and mm. I picked up. Um, they just changed the city name. You know, mine says "Look Out, Dallas." Joker's back in town. Yeah, yeah, I have Toronto. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. That is cool. That's very cool. Yeah, it's like a template almost. So. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. They do so that. They, I mean, they would never. They don't have one in New York, but New York would be awesome. Yeah. Shout out to Neil. This um, the goat. We uh, you know, it's funny because we. It's like this year. You, we didn't even have enough time to process one losing one creator before the next one passed. It feels like, you know, so, you know, we just, uh, got to keep the perspective in, um, you know, I, uh, happy to have that, uh, Neil Adams omnibus actually. I got to flip through that later, which I think he recolored. Shout out to Neil up there. Always making a check for himself too. <laughs> I, love, <laughs> you know, I love that guy. He actually recolored the whole damn thing. So he could go. the old colors were good though, but you know, I guess you get a different vision. So, um, and, uh, and, and on ending though, like the, uh, the, the, the zombie Batman short story he drew and, 
Batman Black and White Volume 4 is definitely worth checking out because it's pretty deep and it's, you know, it's so cool how he draws like in a scratchy, pencil-y format sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah, shout out to Neil. Ghost. So for our next ghost of Christmas, we have the great George Perez, which was shortly after Neil Adams. And man, that what another blow, man. This this guy's country contribute what he contributed to the genre as well is just massive. Um you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a huge Deathstroke fan and you know that's uh that's pretty much Deathstroke's daddy is uh, is George Perez. Yeah, yeah the stuff that uh, you know, uh, along with Marv Wolfman, uh, you know, the the two of them together uh, created so much stuff. So yeah, Deathstroke, uh, Nightwing, the Teen Titans, Cyborg, Starfire, Raven. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just crazy. You know what? He drew women really well too. Uh, who his Wonder Woman was probably one of my favorite. Uh, yeah. versions of, of that character. Oh, and the big hair on Starfire that he drew in the 80s and all that. Just, yeah, he... Damn. Yeah, that that, that, that I mean, you know, let's just like... To talk about George Perez is, um... He, he had a, he had a long list of accomplishments in the genre and I think, you know, for all the Nightwing fans, because Nightwing has a massive following, that must have been a tough blow too, you know, because uh, yeah, that's really what started it all. I mean, he 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 was like your your comic book artist, comic book artist, you know. He had that that flair about him, you know. That yeah, that classic. You know, he was yeah, he was good at drawing individuals, but he's also good at drawing teams. Not everyone can really do both, and um. Yeah, you'll you'll hear a lot of uh, artists uh, not uh, really enjoy working on team books because it can be difficult. Yeah, and well, it's the number of big because I mean did. you've got to be consistent with so many characters versus like yeah. you know a Batman where you got to you can draw Batman and a couple of rogues, but with a team book you've got to draw a whole squad consistently <laughs> throughout the, the book. And he did that on one of the most iconic event stories in infinite crisis right mm. i mean uh crisis on infinite earths yeah yeah i mean that was a monster undertaking yeah yeah and uh yeah he yeah he was just that good yeah to to me you know when i reflect back to his uh work he's definitely to me he's like the face of the 80s you know it's like yes when, when i see his work i think of like Automatically, I just think of like the Kenner toy line, like growing up seeing like all those toys and the Robins and and all these iterations. Like without his art style, um, it just it's there's no other influences for these other major things. Um, yeah, and, and that, like you said, like the complexity of like just looking at this cover, like it's not a one shot. This is like a very multi layered piece you know this is very complex and he's consistent and he makes it look easy Mm -hmm. and um you know just from what i've seen just on video and people um just speaking about him and just seeing him i i think the thing that's most tragic about this is 
he knew that he had kind of a, a time frame to work with. Right. It's almost like a doomsday clock. You know, it's like, it's not something that just suddenly happened. It's like, Hey, I have this much time to, uh, to live. And that's to me, it's so sobering. Cause it's like, he went on a farewell tour for like the, his last three months. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's, that's kind of heartbreaking, but it's also almost a gift, but, and he, he went out with so much integrity where he just wanted to just be with his family at the end. But he went on a farewell tour where he did that one final um, con where everyone was trying to get everything signed. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I remember seeing uh, Jim Lee create a post where he was at DC Studios and posing in front of like the logo. And, and Jim was talking that he had lunch with him. And it just makes you just think about the state of affairs, like the fact that life is just valuable, you know, it's like you can't take it for granted where you see something, someone like him that has done something so monumental and he could have had another 20 years in in front of him. And, you know, he would have just continued just to create artwork, you know? So we got robbed. He also wore the coolest shirts. (laughs) He did. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, (laughs) he was that party guy, you know, button up shirt guy. Yeah, and, um, and and another guy from New York, you know, it's like, and who else can make disco stances and pirate boots look cool? You know, <laughs> it's like the guy was just, yeah, he was, he was a great, and yeah. it, and and he seemed, from what I saw and what I've read, another good guy. Like I don't, I've never heard one bad thing. Well, yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, he was you know, hugging when, fans when, and embracing, and he, you know. He, yeah, when he when he passed, you know, someone is just not just a, a a monumental talent, but just a you know well respected and loved individual. When you see all these artists and and creators and, and just fans just giving a huge outpouring of, of of appreciation for what he's meant to them when he mm. passed, and I mean, I, I saw people that I didn't even think would. Um, you know, like his artwork, all these various creators talking about, you know, him and what he meant to them and how he helped them and all this stuff. So I was like, wow, this guy was really, really uh, another icon, you know? Yeah. He just just seemed like a guy that had no ego, you know, like just one of those guys that just embraced people. And, yeah. and and his work his work spoke you know you don't need him to talk the the work speaks for itself yeah he he has and, a big resume like, you know yeah marvel and dc he has really big he he left his his mark with both the big two you know and right. uh yeah it's um yeah and i never yeah and i've always heard good things about him and he seems to have a lot of good energy and you know he's just you know did some iconic iconic work and and that, you know, I, I you know, like we, we kind of knew what was going to happen because of when he said he was retiring from like conventions and working and then the news came out. But, you know, I don't think anything ever really gets you ready to lose another one. But he, uh, yeah, like I said, that I'm, I'm a huge Deathstroke fan and his version is still one of, one of the best, just the original, just, just so badass. You know, like that was. Oh, 
I was no, gonna say, ahead. um, it makes me want to watch uh, Wonder Woman 1984 again. And as much as it wasn't well received, but that whole movie is just so influenced by his work. Um, mm. Like the golden suit of Wonder Woman. And that's him, 1984. Like that's his, that whole era. That's his, that's his monument right there. So it's funny because when you, when you do work, 80s work, when, when it was being done or whatever, it's like, it could go one of two ways, and mm-hmm. his work went in the good way <laughs> of the really yeah, good no, way. Yeah, like, like there, some of that shit that, doesn't there, age There's well. that borderline. There's yeah. that borderline where it could be a little cheesy or it could really be something different. It, it could age you know, well, or it could go the other way when it comes to 80s stuff. Because 80s, like fashion, in, you know, in style and whatever, it's just it's so extreme that um, – yeah, it could go one of two ways, but he, you know, he he incorporated a good amount of it into into his work, you know, Teen Titan stuff, which is very popular, by the way. It just, you know, it translates over to animation and everything. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I to I me, I feel like he has the best depiction of Robin. Like, I love that classic Robin look from him. Yeah, yeah, he did he did that pretty well. He did do a good Robin, and uh, and also Disco Nightwing, <laughs> Disco Dick. <laughs> Disco Dick. <laughs> <laughs> so, some so moving on to the Ghost of Christmas Future, the Visionary, who I consider, who I consider the most quote unquote interesting Batman artist of all time, is the great Tim Sale. The artist of the Long Halloween, which might be the most read Batman story of all time. I'm not sure how we would get those stats. Uh, Dark Victory, The Haunted Night, Catwoman went in Rome. He also did. Uh, he also did a lot of work over at Marvel. Um, how, how does it go? Is it is it Spider Man Red, Bat- Daredevil Yellow? Um, I don't know if I'm getting these right. Uh, he did. He just did whole Captain America Blue. Yeah, the Captain America Blue. Um, you know, he did, did work you for you. Hulk Gray. Is that what? It was? Yeah, he did, I think he did Hulk as well. Um, but Tim Sale's like, I think Tim Sale has to be the most effectively moody Batman artist ever. When cinematically, the use of space shadow. The simplicity that does so much, like just every man, I can't even think about how, you know, I was thinking earlier how I'll never see Neil Adams' big ass table at a convention again, and I'll never see another brand new Tim Sale panel or cover, which is like, I I don't even know how to, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's kind of sobering (laughs) because, man, movies have been based on this man's artwork, the the major Batman movies and, and the writing. I mean, you know, Jeff Loeb writes a lot for screen, so he needed someone that, in terms of the comic book format, Jeff needed someone that could really handle his story visually, you know, this, the, the the cinematic effect of it into comic books. And, and Tim Sale's, I'm telling you, the space, the mood, the stylized rogues gallery, just... Like, I don't think anyone handled silence in a comic book panel the way Tim Sale did, man. Like, 
like you know if you, if if you guys are anyone listening you guys are like really into batman and don't have it yet you should get the jeff Loeb and tim sale omnibus which pretty much has everything in it and just you'll always you know it's it's like it's almost like watching a movie but in the comic book version you know um the guy you know he uh I mean, yeah, very, very interesting person visually. I mean, the the Joker teeth, the you know, he's the guy who started the exaggerated vegetation that came off of poison ivy, and you know, just you know, countless other elements that are iconic and visually for Batman and the stories. And Tim Tim Sale is that guy. Tim Sale is like you know, like the the noir slash halloween batman artist you know you know and um i don't know it's um it's 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 crazy to think that who i found to be the most interesting we i I feel very blessed that we've had tim sale on our podcast because i don't think there's any other podcast out there that's had tim sale on it's comic book related i'm not sure but I, i don't think so and and um, that was a very interesting night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, yeah, that that episode has some of the best uh, sound bites uh, of of any we've ever done. <laughs> but I at, at least I got to express how much his work meant to me um, on the show. And before I was able to finish, he said something like, "Who are you talking about, Frank Miller?" <laughs> or something. But um. <laughs> But yeah, that you know, that's that's my guy, and uh, I I will always just read and flip through his work and just to sit, sit there and appreciate his his work because it it just takes you to this calm, quiet, somewhat dark and um, mysterious Gotham. You know, he just takes you there, like. Like everything about it. the rain, the size of the tombstones, the uh, everything. I don't well, know what. Go what, ahead. I, what I found most interesting about Tim's work, he's very much, and I think you know, he even acknowledges it. Uh, you know, kind of like Kelly Jones, he he found himself, and he found what makes it interesting to him to draw, because you could see, you know, going back to that that Daredevil yellow cover. You can see where Bring that he can draw the architecture as tight and realistic as anybody, and then draw the characters kind of in, you know, his own style. Yeah, and I always, I always loved that. I, I love that knowing that he's a guy that, yeah, I could draw this way if you want me to, but for if I'm going to do it and it's going to be, I'm going to make it interesting to me. And this is how I do it. You yeah. Know, he, he found himself, he found his style and it never wavered. You knew when you were reading one of his books, that's a Tim cell book. Yes. Um, I always said that like, you could have, there's like countless, countless, countless artists that have drawn Batman for DC over generations, but very few like Kelly Jones and Tim Sale, where you could see their work, across the long room and know exactly who it is. Yeah. You know, you know exactly who it is. And like, even like, um, he did, he did some off the wall, you know, not real popular work, but, um, like with Matt Wagner, he did, 
a series of Grendel. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys know who Grendel is, but he's yeah. a really cool uh, kind of noir, yeah. know, anti-hero type guy. Um, but even that, I mean, it's, it's just beautiful. Um, some of his covers, you know, the the Shadow and Batman covers that he did for that series, amazing. I love them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, his, I mean, his style, you know, like you said, you're not going to find another one of Tim to come along. Not for a good while, at least. Well, um, you know, he was very inventive. Like, you look at what he did with the rogues gallery. He made them his own. So you have the Joker seat, the exaggerated, exaggerated vegetation with Ivy. You have the, um, the very abnormally short razor te- um, sharp teeth on, you know, a short penguin with razor sharp teeth. There's, yeah. You know, very uh, His scarecrow is super iconic, you know, um, it, like he, you know, he he made the Riddler like really scrawny and like wimpy and unnerving, and then he, yeah, he, like he 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 made everything so visually interesting without having to be having to go too much in detail. He just understood the assignment, you know, like it was so effective in the simplicity of it, and like things like if you read the Haunted Night, it's the one, um. Yes, that image the, right there. I love that. Yeah. It's, for the listeners, on if you're just hearing this, we're looking at some of his artwork, and the image just showed up of the splash page where uh, Scarecrow is on the horse. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, a beautiful uh, masterpiece in, you know, shadow, you know, negative spacing but also you know the imagery of of a powerful horse rearing up with with its rider you know a very and the arkham asylum gate in the background yeah Yeah. arkham asylum in the background and a very scary scarecrow yeah if if, if you if you've just been listening we've had a lot of visual aids in this episode and i've had I've had my microphone on mute because I've been pulling up a lot of pictures. So uh, do me a favor and uh, watch the video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is on YouTube as well. So but, uh, yeah, like it's just the subtle things too. Like in the Haunted Night with the Mad Hatter, uh, you had a Mad Hatter episode where there's a flashback of when young Bruce was with his mother by a windowsill and they were sitting there and she was reading him Alice in Wonderland. And then you see that same windowsill later on when it's an adult Bruce by himself and he's going through Alice in Wonderland with like the rain coming down outside of the window. And it's just those little things that always just stood with me. Like the, 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 the quiet nature of his panels, the, the, of the moment. I don't know. It just, it's something you really got to look at and experience. No, no, no other as good as so many are, no other artist that has drawn Batman has ever really done that to me the way Tim, Tim Sale has done it. You know, I'm like, I'm just, I'm, you know, they always say, uh, don't be sorry. Don't be sad that it's over. Be happy that it happens. And that is definitely the, the, uh, the avenue I want to take tonight as the ghost of Christmas future hovers over us with, uh, this one because uh tim sale was my guy i was lucky to meet him and tell him how much his work meant to me i was lucky to 
do the same thing on the podcast again. And um, we met his wife, didn't we, uh, Grams? Right? Yeah, we met his wife at uh, New York Comic Con. Was that 2015? Yeah. And she was so proud of him. And Oh, yeah. Tim's, he, yeah. Tim, you know, he'd have the jar out. So, like, I think the first two signatures were free. But then anyone after that, he would have a suggested donation for I think a creators funds. What was the the creators fund called? There was Robin. Do you know which one? Uh, I forget what it was now, but uh, yeah, yeah, a, a yeah. lot of a lot of the creators uh, were collecting donations for that. Yeah, so he was a good guy. His wife was so proud of him, and um, oh like, yeah, she would tell us about his whole process. He, and you know, she'd be like, "Oh, I don't see him through most of the day. He spends yeah. all his time in his office, and he reads all these." like architecture and world war two books to study the vehicles and the architecture. And it was kind of cool. You know, we got, we got a little peek behind the curtain because, you know, obviously an artist is not going to tell you their secrets or their methods, but (laughs) she just, she just went on and, you know, she could tell that we were sincerely there. um, Yeah. You know, to, we wanted to meet him, but he, I guess he wasn't feeling well or he was running late or whatever. Yeah. And, um, he's very humble. He was a very humble guy. Like he, he, he was kind of, um, you know, he had a sense of humor too. And he was just, I remember, you know, legends did get a, Bad Force legends did get a Mr. Freeze commission from him, which is awesome. That he must cherish that. Uh, uh, you know, he better have me in his will. Is a you know, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, I remember one. Oh god, I remember there was um original artwork, and there was this one page from Haunted Night, and it was nothing over the top, but it was like these cool the page with cool images of Wayne, uh, Bruce Wayne walking through Wayne Matter, and then talking about Halloween coming, and you know, just it was a really nice page though, and it, it was only like a few hundred, maybe like two something under three, but it was sold already, right? I was like, ah, motherfucker, that, that would have <laughs> been that that would have been a nice original page to have. But um, I don't know if you got, I don't know if you guys will be able to hear this. I should have uh, downloaded it onto the computer to just play it through, but I'll uh, just play it from my phone uh, in the <laughs> into the microphone. So this is when Tim was on the show and. We were talking about uh, was it the Long Halloween Absolute or something like that? Oh, yes, yeah. uh, where yeah. he was talking about when he received it and uh, yeah, uh, calling up Jeff Loeb. So uh, tell me if you guys can hear this or not. Yeah, because uh, it was so um, the yeah. Omni was so big. <laughs> He's like, "Have you seen this motherfucker?" <laughs> we 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 just heard uh, Bad Force Times laugh at himself, laughing, and then him <laughs> laughing. And realizing yeah, it's yeah, it was like laughception. It's like inception. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah it's it's a, it's like a laugh reverb. <laughs> yeah. It's like a a ripple through the space time yeah. continuum, but. Uh, uh. Yes, oh man, that was so funny when you said that, man. I, I wanted, to, I wanted to say before. I think, um, I think it was like maybe, shit, maybe 2019 or maybe before. Duncan and I got to go to uh, Terrific Con in uh, Connecticut, and uh, Tim was there. 
I actually no, I think it was 20, 20, 2020. Um because COVID was still going around and um we were able to go to these shows with the, with the mask or not wear the mask. And uh it was in Connecticut. It was a long drive, but uh Tim was there and um the con wasn't crazy and uh I got a lot of time to like talk to him for a little bit. And that was one of the first times that I really got to really talk to him. And um it was the last time. And I'm willing to bet I think that's probably one of his last shows that he did. And uh I always think back like Man, like, I wish I knew this was the last time because I remember Dunk and I were talking to him about, like, NYCC, and he's like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. And I'm thinking to myself, like, did he start to think that he was starting to get sick at that time? Mm. So I'm very fortunate that I had that moment and that I got some things signed. And I got a lot of things that were personal. Excuse me. Um, You said, like, you know, before, like, he would do the first few for free and – the ones that were for free were always personalized. That was like kind of his thing. So yeah, uh, I'm thankful that I have those pieces, you know, like ordinarily, like when you get that done, you're like, Oh, okay. That's cool. But man, what a gift, you know, it's like, you think that you get another opportunity to see that guy. And that was the last time. So mm. I really cherish that moment um, where I got to really talk to him for a good 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I think uh, I think you never know. Yeah, uh, I think Tim didn't. Uh, you know, this is just uh, guessing. Uh, I I don't know that he loved the whole travel and hotel aspect of, <laughs> of doing cons, because uh, a couple times I chatted with him at cons, and you know he, he hadn't <clears> enjoyed <throat> the flight, and you know the the hotel wasn't great. So uh, you, you could tell that he enjoyed. Uh, the time being at the con, but uh, yeah, I don't think he loved the the traveling aspect of you, the the being on the road and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I think he would have rather have been at home. Yeah, yeah, he, um, but he was doing it anyway, and 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 he was there for for all the fans. Yeah, and, I, and you know, like we said before, like you think about the newest Batman movie, um, without his influence, um that whole movie would have been different. Um, I remember seeing the movie in um, IMAX and they were handing out the long Halloween variant. Oh, that's awesome. During, yeah. I was like, damn, that's fucking awesome. You know? So yeah. quick, it's all quick. Tim. I mean, I think that movie is probably 80% Tim sale. It's all long Halloween. Yeah. Plus, plus we also got an animated long Halloween movie, which is cool. You know? Two, uh, yeah. Two, mm-hmm. A two parter. Two parter. Quick oh. shout out, shout out, Sammy Warmhands from uh, Bad Fan Eye Podcast, who uh, sent me uh, a signed print that he found on the con. That was nice, very nice of him. You know, it felt it felt like a sim- like a sympathy card, you know, at funerals, like yeah. like a, a really big, awesome looking one. Because <laughs> you know, just um, yeah, it was, it was tough, man. It, like that, like you know, it's to have a, a creator where you just want. Sometimes you just open the book and stare at their work. You don't even got to read, you know, just, and, you know, as if Sale was that guy. Loved, loved the house. Tim Sale was synonymous with Halloween and Batman for him, you know, and just <laughs> you can't, you know, can't be, you know, try not to be too sad that it's over. Just be happy that it happens. Happy that we got, you know, three 
three long runs that inter- that that connect and also Catwoman went in Rome. Um, you know, and then I got to meet him and, and you know talk with him and uh, and all that. You know, yeah, I mean, so. he he also did that long Halloween special this year. So it's yeah, like, yeah, we got mm-hmm. lucky that that even happened and that we got like a little taste of uh, a little you know, a little send off. Yeah, for sure. Like it was built around obviously the hype of the movie, but yeah, he did like another extension of that. It's like man. We're lucky, like you said, we're lucky that it happened. Um, yeah, it's a gift. Yeah, yeah. Be- yeah, because here and there, like you would see, you know, within like maybe like when the new Fifty Two came in, he would he did that whole nice run of like covers in the beginning, yeah. and it would, yeah. would kind of just come in and out. But we got like a quick, small little, uh, uh, you know, like a one shot. But yeah, the fu- the funny story about those, um, we see did some. He did some rebirth covers. Yeah, yeah, I think that was what you meant. Uh, yeah, the, was that at the beginning of oh, rebirth? Yeah, you remember what we asked him, like, uh, and he told us, he was like, Yeah, DC called up and said, uh, You want to do some covers? And I was like, mm, Fucking well, right. Fuck, well, fuck <laughs> yeah. He's like, Well, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they were awesome. They were like from like, I don't know, issue five to 12 there were like seven in a row of just tim sale you know so you know what tim sale was an outlier he had his own lane you know like a lot of these as good as these other artists are that work on comics and batman and they're great phenomenal but like you know you only have one tim sale you know you only have one kelly jones you know you only have one paul pope so it's like you know tim was in his own lane and um and he was very well respected and uh you know, yeah, like always... you know, he he's not one of those guys that could just be um a part of like a comic run with two or three other artists where all these guys nowadays make everything look so seamless and you have to do a double take, like, oh wait, did like Jorge Fornes do this or who did this? Mm-hmm. Like if Tim Cell did it, it's his shit. Like, yeah. you know Is what it? I mean? Like like you pull the e break, there's no other like <laughs> He he can't jump in on a book with other people. Yeah, the thing is, um, Kelly Jones explains to me really well because I always tell Kelly Jones how much I love his work when he's on it, and he he goes, "Thank you." He really pieces like I really appreciate it. The thing is, you know, I, I don't aim to be the most technical guy like these other guys. I'm an idea guy, and that's what makes it stand out. And Tim Sale was an idea guy. You know, you're not. You don't have to be anatomically correct all the time or everything got to be perfect and polished. It's the idea, the design that, that lures you in. And, you know. Exactly. Like, Tim, what did Kelly Jones say? He said, I only have to do 80% and then you, the reader, fill it in with the other mm. 20. That's Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's kind cool. of what, uh, how Tim. It, it is what Tim was doing because of all the space yeah. he left for you, you know. Right. Yeah, and, or, and Tim would do a thing where like uh, three quarters of a page had the shadows of the window panes across everything. Yeah, and that just made that page really memorable. I know that's the kind of stuff I love. It's just so effective, simple and effective, and it yeah, he's right. You fill it in, don't you? You he takes you, he he kind of puts you in that space as well for me. You know, he he puts you in that space and. He like I said he 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 understood the assignment and he and he delivered and I, I'm happy with what we got. I read I read it all the time, especially in October. So 
Um, and and I will, and you know, continue to do so. That's why he's the ghost of Christmas future. So, um, to Tim, yeah, that that was, and as if, as if we didn't have enough heartache and torture this year. Like <laughs> goddamn, the the voice, the definitive voice of Batman. Never to be contested. The only person that's probably ever going to go down to play Batman in animation, animated movies, video games, and live action, the great Kevin Conroy we lost this year. Man. I mean, god damn. Like, like, legends, you know? Like by all, with every strength of the definition of the word, these guys were like legends of the Dark Knight, you know. And Kevin Conroy, man, I mean, when you hear that voice now, it's kind of haunting, you know. It's like th- that guy was Batman. Kevin Conroy was Batman. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, not, not only for fans is he the voice that everyone hears, but how many comic creators when they're writing and drawing those pages that's the voice that they hear you know what the way he goes from bruce wayne to batman and batman to bruce wayne is just so man he he he's another guy who understood the assignment like he wow <laughs> just like there's been a lot of there's been a lot of other good voices for batman but man no one can no one can, can come close to his his voice and understanding of the portrayal of Batman, you know, they need, we needed audiobooks from that guy. <laughs> and and like, there, there was no example, like no, there, there was no one. Oh, the, this person did this before. I'm going to do my version of that. No one had, uh, no one had done what he did. So he, he originally um, read for Mister Freeze, and um, they, or was it the Joker? Oh, one of the two. Um, it was a rogue, I remember, and ultimately they wanted him to be Batman and man you, that that was it I mean you you couldn't any comic book you read you heard his voice you know you heard Kevin Conroy's voice and um, he has a very cool story you know um, how from what we understand like you know reading all um, a lot about his background and everything like that he he had um what was it he kind of had problems early on because he was like i guess openly gay and it was getting more difficult to get roles or whatnot um and then he would ultimately be the people's champion you know um very i mean he he also dormed with Christopher Reeves and Robin Williams. Yep. You have Batman, mm-hmm. Superman, and, and Peter Pan. <laughs> 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 so, like, man. And someone who, uh, like, another guy that was at all the cons. Like, he, you could always go to a con and be able to meet Kevin. Yeah, if you if you're able to wait on that line, um, which I yeah. which I, I did one year, and I met him, and he he was very tired. He was tired, but man, he was 
he was a very sweet, genuine man. He was a very sweet man, and he was very appreciative. Like he understood that you know his fans kept him going, kept him around, and um, he appreciated everyone so much. He really did, and uh, and he he took a lot of pride in playing Batman. On every signature, you probably see he writes "I am Batman." So, um, or a lot of his signatures, he writes, I am, I, I am Batman. And, uh, and he was, you know, and is, um, you know, that, that, that voice just echoes through anyone that has, is a fan of, of, you know, from one of the most and, celebrated and a, enemies. Cool. And a funny thing. So like a, a lot of voice actors, they're, they're putting on, you know, that that voice. They're they're making a voice to do those characters. Mm-hmm. But Kevin's voice was so similar to his his Bruce Wayne and Batman. Like so when Kevin was speaking, you could hear him, you know, if he walked into the room at the con yeah. and you 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 heard him saying something, you you knew, "Oh, Batman's here now." He Yeah, I mean, you're right. When when he would walk in a room and the, the couple of times that I met him, he did some panels. Um, but even out on the floor, it was just like wherever he was, all eyes were always on him because people were like, that's Batman. That's right Batman. There. That's yeah. Batman. That's Batman. It was so cool. It was just almost surreal sometimes um, meeting him at cons. I would just, you know, close your eyes and be like, Oh my God, Batman is right in front of me. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> the the first press thing that I got to do for a con, I uh, maybe six seven years ago or something. I don't know. Um, so the way they would do these things is you show up at you know the conference room at uh, you know whatever hotel that they're using for it. And you walk into the room and you check in and then you they let you go into the room and you find what table has your name card at it. So there will be like five chairs at, at a table and you find which one has your name card and sit down there. And ha- half the room is tables. The other half is like backdrops with the con logo and everything for people to do like on camera interviews. And then they would bring in uh, a bunch of guests from the con and they would circle them around table to table. So, you know, you would have someone would come and sit down at, at, at your table and you and the other people that were at that table would get, you know, however long they had, you know, maybe it was 10 minutes, maybe it was 15 minutes and you know, chat with that person. And then one of the people running it would, would come along and tell them, OK, we have to we have to move you along to the to the next table now. So say goodbye to them and they would go off and then someone else would would come and sit down there. So the first one of those that I did, Kevin, was there and. So sitting there and I have the, uh, I, I was lucky to have the, the empty chair that the guest came and sat down at, uh, was beside me. So, you know, we're sitting there and, uh, Greg Capullo comes and sits at our table. And then it was, uh, an actor from American horror story. And then it was David Meredith Finch and then an actor from walking dead. And then they get up and we're, we're waiting to see who's, who's coming to our table next. And someone comes and sits down beside me and it's Kevin Conroy. Mm. And a point comes in the conversation. I can't remember what I said, but 
it uh, it elicited from from Kevin like a full on belly laugh, <laughs> and just the moment of hearing Batman sitting beside you laughing <laughs> was just so bizarre. Hmm. Wow. I can't. Yeah, that. Um, I just. Uh, I mean, you know how how often you guys we watch the animated series every you know all the time here and there, and you, you know you hear that voice. Now you watch it, and it's like it's it's just crazy. Like you know what the the most hard hitting thing I saw on the internet was you know that iconic scene where he's standing over the building and it's thunder in the background or lightning. Whatever. Yeah. Someone edited it where it's everything's there but Batman and I was like, ouch. That like <laughs> that's that's Rude. a stinger. <laughs> yeah. But I, I I think um after it happened, just seeing a lot of things on Instagram, a lot of his cameo um speeches that he gifted or you know, that he did for people were really incredible because you can just tell he just did he went above and beyond and he gave a lot of motivational, um, you know, pep talks to people that were down. And um, if you could just go on YouTube and kind of just hear what he's done for a lot of people, it, they're really just amazing segments, you know, every little tidbit. Because um, I watched like a handful of them and I was like, man, what an incredible person, you know, like he really cared about the fans and really just making a small difference in someone's life. Mm. Yeah. I think And, um, and, and again, okay. like toward, towards the end, you know, we said that on G and G last week, um, you know, he did eventually publicly in a very subtle, tasteful way, come out of the closet and DC supported him. And, uh, you know, they did a whole pride campaign around it, but, um, he was a voice for that part. And I think towards the end of his life, that was his, that was something that he wanted to kind of make sure that it was out there. Um, you know, as mm. like a sense of just to tell everyone that's who he was, you know, like there's no hiding it. And, um, and he wanted to support that community as well. So to me, that was very powerful. Um, that was like the ultimate send off for him. Um, it makes me think, like, how long did he know that he was sick? Was it two or three years? Was it a year? Um, my my gut feeling is telling me that he probably knew about this for a long time. Yeah. Well, um, I forgot who it was, but they... I saw a post on Instagram where another colleague of his or something said that he had spoken with um, their college creative class just three weeks before his passing and he was still you know passionate and, and kind and, and generous with his time so even if he knew and he, he likely did that you know you know his time was limited he was still generous enough to make time for others you know yeah. that says a lot Sure, so especially in your last days, you know, it's like you you uh you spend those last moments just giving back. 
and that's a uh, that's a testament to the um, type of person that he was, for sure. And I've been putting up uh, some photos here for those watching uh, the the video version of this of uh, the the Arkham games uh, because not only was he so uh, iconic for the animated series, but he had that ability to stay around and you know, to to not only be doing a series of video games that was largely for an entirely different generation of fans <laughs> who, you know, a, a lot of people were, who were introduced to Batman from those games didn't know the animated series or, you know, at least hadn't, uh, hadn't watched it. And for him to have been uh, the driving force of not only a series of Batman games, but, the best comic video games that still have been made. Sure. Well, like we um, talked about on our Grumps and Gramps episode uh, previous, go check it out on YouTube. But um, <laughs> he was no, a gate. No, just listen to this one. He was a gateway for several people to Batman. Um, you know. Jesus talked about how he was, you know, a sense of comfort, you know, when he would come home from school, he had that time where he would watch the cartoons and he didn't feel alone. He would, he had, you know, Batman there with him. And, and then now with the games, a lot of the younger generation, you know, that's how they get a gateway into the character and, and then the movies and then the comics and whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, he, he's always been, a gateway to the character and look at even even grandpa batman himself is what at least 60 percent through arkham city at this point <laughs> uh-oh yeah I, I hit a snag though because i think the game had a little quirk that won't let me complete it Oh, yeah! You, you hit a glitch or something? I hit a glitch, so I started uh, over. Oh, oh. oh no! <laughs> I started over oh, ten man. years later. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, I, I wanted to jump in and just you know, I came to that realization what you said before, Robin, like how we perceive him with the animated series. Like you said, like one or two generations ahead of us, that's the same feeling that they're getting with those video games. <laughs> Yeah, like that's mm. that's their first scratch at Batman. So, and know. while while that was a different, you know, a, a new medium for a, a new generation, and he's still doing the same character, he did change with the times too. You know, he wasn't playing it; he didn't play Bruce or Batman in those games as light as he had back in the '90s in the animated series. You know that it's a even by the time the games, you know, the games have been out for, for years now themselves, but at the time the games were coming out, that was a different time for media in general. And, uh, you know, everything gets, you know, darker and you know, more edgy over time. So he wasn't playing the, his, his Bruce didn't sound, uh, as kid friendly 
as as it did uh, at the time of the animated series. His his Batman was was more gruff and intimidating, so he was around through generations and uh, adapted with what was required for those generations. Mm. Yeah, Kevin Conroy was a good guy. He uh, he um, was at the street sign unveiling for Bill Finger in the Bronx. Yeah, yeah. And he, uh, you know, he volunteered as a, as a waiter when nine eleven happened. And uh, oh, that's such a good story. You want to where, tell? It? <laughs> yeah, he was at. Uh, he was working in uh, uh, like a a soup kitchen kind of thing. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they were uh, supplying food to oh, people. Wait, but before you even say that, the, the woman, because um, he went down there to volunteer, and the woman says, uh, "Oh." So, um, Oh, so you're in, um, what do you do? Because all the only positions we have for volunteering are like, like waiter work. And he said, uh, ma'am, I am an actor. Of course I have waiting experience. (laughs) 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 It's such a a great line. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, but yeah, the, the other one was really good, Robin. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he he ends up, uh, you know, he's spending who knows how many hours just working in his kitchen, uh, you know, helping uh, helping people get fed. And the one guy that he's been working with back there, eventually, I, I forget how it came about, but he eventually clued into to who this guy was. You know, I think it was asked, <laughs> the guy said what he did or something. And he's like, you know, I'm a teacher or something. And the guy's like, oh, well, uh, I'm I'm a, a voice actor. And the guy's like, oh, I knew it. I knew it was you. You're Batman. And he goes out into the room, you know, where all these tables full of people are eating. goes, hey, you know who's back here serving your food? It's Batman. <laughs> and, and somebody sitting down there goes, fuck you, prove it. Yeah. And then from out of the kitchen, you hear, I am justice. I am the knight. I am Batman. And everyone just I am your waiter. (laughs) Would you like fries with that? (laughs) I'm serving vengeance and soup. Imagine how much better that makes your day. The whole place goes silent, and then you just hear the one guy go, Holy shit, he is Batman. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. Like, yeah. You know, the last ghost of Christmas night talking about, I'd say that don't be sad it's over. Be happy that it happens. I mean, we couldn't ask for a better voice of Batman, just like we couldn't ask for a better animated series than Batman, the animated series when we were all growing up. You know, it's like, you know, happy that it happens. And, um, yeah. I, I think it's safe to say that, uh, no time soon will anyone be on his caliber of, uh, Claim, claim, claiming that spot. No, you know, someone. It's just uh, not going to happen. Yeah, a, a few days after it, someone at the comic shop asked me, uh, "Well, so who's going to replace Kevin Conroy?" And I said, "Well, no one. You know, the, no, no, nobody out there. There isn't going to be other other people will will voice back. You know, we have already had other people uh, voicing. I mean, like Roger Craig Smith did uh, Arkham Origins. You know, so we uh, Jensen Eccles." Uh, yeah, and uh, you know DiMaggio that did some of the animated movies. So yeah. other people always have and always will voice Batman, but no one is. There is no next Kevin Conroy. No, not at all. Right. Never, Here's something never, that um that I've found out. You know, after after his passing, 
you know, I read a number of articles, but it, I came across an article that said, um, you know, kind of between gigs and stuff, he would also uh, flip houses. So how mm. cool would it be to live in a home that Batman built? Mm. Crazy. That'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, I, yeah. I'm gonna, you know what? I, I was, uh, we all met him then, right? We all met, mm-hmm. right? yeah. So mm-hmm. that's good. I was, I was happy that I met him, and uh, he was very sweet, man. You know, I'm always going to remember him as kind of like a champion of the people, too. He, he went from not even knowing much about the character to just full on embracing everything about the character and. And he was very good friends with Neil Adam. Uh, Neil Adams. I'm very good friends with uh, Adam West. And I mean that that Grey Ghost episode is going to hit different now, isn't it, man? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I put up uh, a clip from that on my Instagram. Uh, you know, the right after it happened, and that was the one of the first things that I thought of was that Some, that episode. Someone posted one where like the end scene is when. Bruce is getting something signed by mm-hmm. the Grey Ghost, and and he leaves, and Bruce is like, you know, the Grey Ghost was always my hero, and still is, and like, just man, that that just hits different. <laughs> and, and then Adam West is, like, you know, his voice is like, so it was, it wasn't all for nothing, or something yeah. like that. And man, that's that's such a damn good episode in general. So it's like, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah, ah, to the ghosts of Christmas past. Yeah, I'm still watching Christmas with the Joker this year, though. You know, Christmas Eve, little tradition. Um, and uh, yeah, I just um, I I just want to you know end it with a, on a high note, saying that we got a lot of good stuff from all of these creators, and I feel like that's how you kind of immortalize yourself, you know? So it's to leave something that will outlive you and still, you know, be, you know, where future generations could check out and, and dig, I suppose. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, those guys left us with a legacy and it's our job now to make sure that that legacy lives on, you know, to always remember them, you know, for for the work that they did and to help others um, learn about their work, you know, pass it on, you know? Yeah. I, I love making suggestions. Like, you know, you got to watch this episode or, or, you know, read this run by Tim Sill or, you know, check out this cover by Neil Adams. It's like just shit. It, it never gets old. You know, it, it's, if it's something that good, it just never, it really never gets old. It just, you know, ages like fine wine. And uh, yeah, yeah, I I think it's safe to say that uh, for the next fifty years, everyone that we spoke about today will still be in the conversation mm. and continued past that time because, uh, like like you said, everyone stayed in their own lane. Um, they they were needle movers for their own purpose, and um, they just can't. They they're not in competition with anyone else. They they are their own. An entity, they, you know? yeah, they all had they right. all had their own lane. The the, right. the ones that we discussed tonight, they they all had their own lane, and uh, yeah, 
And uh, and that'll do it for anyone listening. Definitely hit us up on any of the social media platforms if you have, uh, you know, any comments or suggestions or questions about these creators and so on and so forth. Because uh, you know, it's always it's always a cool, fun conversation. I like this forum, you know, for that. So. And um and Christmas is upon us. It is December first. Before we go, guys, what do you, do you guys have the one go to Christmas movie you're gonna watch this year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always watch Christmas Story. Now they have the sequel, so I want to watch that too. The, the wanna... sequel was uh really good. Oh, really? Shit. Okay, good, good. I want to yeah. watch it. Yeah. yeah. It was uh, there... There's that new uh, David Harbor uh, Christmas movie. I'm oh, Violet yeah. Night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think that, that's going to turn I, into I, a I classic. Need, I need man. to see yeah. that like Bro. multiple times, but uh, I need to see that like. Viol- yeah, that that's that's one week. I'm going to check out. Yeah, I yeah. I thought that it was a guy dressed up as Santa, like killing these motherfuckers, but it's actually <laughs> Santa killing these. Motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so someone, uh, one of my friends saw it on a preview, like pre, like early access, and she said it was uh, Die Hard meets Home Alone meets uh, <laughs> some other Christmas movie. So she said it was fucking awesome. I so can't wait. I can't. I cannot wait to see him just fucking fuck people people's up. asses. Uh, yo, Gramps, that's why you gotta order those Santa figures with the, the Terminator Santa and the zombie. Oh, <laughs> um yeah that that was my that's my the one I want to watch this year. But I also want to watch 8 bit Christmas again. The uh everyone trying to get a Nintendo back then during the eighties. Like that's I, I kinda dug that. Um brings back yeah, I mean, cool. to me, I mean, um, shit. The one that I want to see at least once or twice is just National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah, that's the that's the go to man. Yeah, that's like I don't wa- I want to watch it now, but I want to savor it. Like to me, that's like a gem. Like I'll be lucky if I can watch it twice, but if you're gonna watch it once, you gotta like really just let. December sinking a little bit, but um, yeah, Christmas Day. I always watch Edward Scissorhands. Are you are you gonna read Noel this year, bro? Because uh, you know you missed yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta read it twice this year. That means so you know Batman. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm definitely gonna read it, man. I have uh, I have two copies of it. One is actually on my desk at work by okay. coincidence. So nice. Well, oh, we should yeah. actually review it. Okay. We did the first. We did year one of Bad Voice Radio, but I wouldn't mind reading it again. I'm talking about it again. Yeah, we, we you know, hopefully we'll do well, our. We, um, we did it back when we did those crazy long reviews. And we, everyone, we did like page a page long, by page, page of long three, Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> Ding. I don't. I don't think the audio or Bad Force audiobook format was that popular. So you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is definitely like at this certain day. There's so many good Christmas movies that just there's a lot of Jingle All the Way. That's always a good one. I was thinking about that one. Robin, you got a go-to movie for Christmas? Uh, no, not much? really. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I don't uh, do a lot of uh, movies, movie yeah. watching at Christmas or anything. Yeah. B- BFB, cool. I, I know you. I know you're gonna watch Krampus. 
Uh, yeah, you know, Gremlins, Krampus. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I forgot. I forgot about Gremlins. Shit. Yeah, trying to mix it up. Uh, I heart. Uh, Klaus is it Klaus? Klaus on a net- Oh yeah, yeah. the the uh, animated movie. That's fantastic. You know, you know, you're right. Gramps, Gramps, Gramps it's it's the story of Klaus Jansen. <laughs> is it? Oh, okay. yeah. Gramps is like, oh, oh, Klaus. All right. You know, what I mean? now you got my attention. I'm in. Klaus, <laughs> instead of instead of how we save Christmas, it's how we save the Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> True story. Year one, Bad Force Radio. Everyone be getting drunk during the Christmas episode. And you hear the jingle bells constantly ringing. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good times. But, uh, yeah, that's cool. So anyway, December is upon Christmas month is upon us. So um, mm-hmm. we should be getting a. Uh, you know, try to get some more episodes out this month if we can. But um, you know, on that note, I just want to wish everyone Merry Christmas, very happy holidays, safe, happy <clears throat> holidays, safe, happy New Year from yours, from all of us here at Bat Force Radio, and um, hit us up on all platforms. You know where we are. So, thank you.